Well, good morning again, City Hill. Good to see everybody. Especially a ha happy Advent season to all. You know, I think this is the first time I've actually celebrated Advent. I didn't grow up with it. And it's been very meaningful to me. I've enjoyed going through all those cards. Anybody going through the cards at your home? Got some of those cards you pass off? You don't? There's, a, there's packets out there in the foyer. You can grab one going out. But it's just every day it's reminded me to do something special, some way of preparing my heart for Christ's arrival. And I've enjoyed this celebration of this season. <clears throat> this morning I, we lit our third Advent candle as a family. I also would encourage you as families, just you can make your own, just grab some candles, or you can buy Advent candles in many of the different stores. Just ways of symbolizing and preparing our heart to celebrate the birth of Christ. I've also found this book by um, the ministry of Rabbi Zachariah, Hope, Faith, Joy, Peace, and Light. It'd be a beautiful book that just speaks of these very incredibly important concepts and truths and gifts that God has for us as his people. So week one, we celebrated hope. We celebrated hope. And I asked you the question, where do you place your hope? It's a good soul-searching question, isn't it? The, the Bible says, search me, O God, and know my heart. It's good to search our hearts and say, what do you hope in? Where is your security? And man, if we've ever placed our security in people, or in our money, or in our nation, or politics, we have good reason to be nervous. We have good reason to be insecure. But the Bible makes it so clear to us, it says, put your hope in God. The rock, the foundation. When we put our hope in God, then nothing can shake us. And I want to encourage you, don't miss the opportunity that, that is provided to you through these challenging times. It's in the challenging times we get to really say, where do we place our security? And when your security is really placed upon Christ, then you're unshakable. You're immovable because Christ isn't going anywhere. Your salvation is set with him. And live or die, you are planted upon the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so ask yourself, where is your hope? I read a quote from St. Augustine, one of his prayers, and he says, You have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. But what a beautiful quote, that that's how we are made, and our rest comes when we truly come to place our rest and our security, our hope in God. Last Sunday, Gary Gilberson spoke on the second candle, the second week, which traditionally is the week or the candle of love. I love some of the things he said, particularly going through 1 Corinthians 13. Boy, nobody passes that test, right? If you take that test and say, how am I doing? We all go, oh. You know, it bears all things. 
there been anything that you didn't bear very well? Something that really irritated you? Something that, oh, I still got to grow in that. And you go through that list and we all go, oh God, help me. This is where, we're, where we ask God to take us in learning love. One of the things I think is so important to understand about love, it's so different from the world. You know, the world, I fell in love. I fell out of love. I, it's just this emotion that comes and goes. But the love of 1 Corinthians 13 is that agape love, which is that sacrificial. Lay down your life for others. Put others first kind of love. And that's a love that we can choose by the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit. So that's our second candle. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not self-seeking. That's the love that God gives us in this world. In most Christmas seasons, you know, this is a different Christmas season, isn't it? I got an email this week that just doesn't feel like Christmas. It's true, it doesn't. Uh, we're used to getting on airplanes and traveling places, aren't we? We're used to going, I was thinking, what is Christmas? You listen to the songs through COVID ears. Those ears, it says, you know, what do we do? We, friends are calling you who? You know, they're saying, come, what are they saying? They're saying, come be with me. And we go, oh, no, not this year. Oh, we'll zoom in. That's right. Um, we eat meals together. We bake gumdrop cookies together. We watch old movies together. We show love in this world. One of the great ways we show love is we get together. But not this year. This year... COVID Christmas seems to say that love is not being together. If you really love me, respect my boundaries and stay away. I don't know for you, but that emotionally is not easy. I am a people person. I love people, and I love being together. I love the gatherings. I love being with people. And this has made it tough. So we got to get creative, right? God is not limited by COVID. Hallelujah. He's not fretting up in heaven. We got to get creative. We have to send a card. You know, my kids were like, okay, so where do you put the stamp? I'm like, really? Really? You know, the stamp's in the right corner, address here. It's like, oh, yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah, I don't think so, Dad. We're going to send a text. Texts are good. Send a text. Uh, you know, when I came back to Minnesota, I had to, I still had one of those phones that had each letter had three, each number had three different letters. Those are horrible. Now, some of you probably have that still today in your pocket. But it's horrible trying to text with those. So, well, join, join the world up here. Got myself an iPhone and off we go. So you have to get creative in how we love each other. Maybe you sing songs outside of somebody's window. Maybe you pick up the phone, you send texts. We find ways to love each other in this special season. But honestly, I would say it doesn't feel quite right. It doesn't feel the same. And for many people, it's somewhat sad. And I would just say, we need joy. Amen? Anybody need joy? We need joy. And that's our third candle today. And I've asked the family to come on up here. 
and light our third candle of joy. And Ryan's going to read a scripture for us this morning. Hello, I don't know who gets the fire. Probably not Evanel, <laughs> but she looks so lovely up here. Read the scripture for us, Ryan. Let's see, we got, uh, here we come. That, yeah, you do. There you go. Uh, it's 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Our third candle of joy. I would also read from Luke 2.10. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Good news of great joy. Say that with me. Good news of great joy. Great joy. Not just okay joy. Not just little joy. He comes to bring us great joy. And Father, I pray that today in all the challenges and the disruptions that we face in our life and the challenges of health and finances and family challenges, God, we ask for your gift by your Holy Spirit of great joy this morning. We need it. We ask for it. We thank you that you have come to, and you have good news of great joy. Amen. In 587 B.C., a nation called Babylon invaded Jerusalem. They broke down the mighty walls. The armies of Babylon invaded, and they took away the majority of people, the men, women, and children. You can imagine the horror, your family being ripped apart, women being taken, people being separated by nations. It was a time of devastation for Israel. They went to Babylon as slaves, 587. In 536, Persia then defeated Babylon. And King Cyrus became king, and he inherited these slaves, and he sent Ezra, the priest, back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. So the priest went back to Jerusalem, found it all in ruins, and he ended up, with the help of his people, they rebuilt the temple. It took many years. In 444 B.C., Nehemiah, you've heard of Nehemiah, one of the books in the Bible, he was a cupbearer to King Cyrus. He received news that the walls of Jerusalem were still in ruins. The good, the, this news grieved his heart. And he was sad, and he, he wept. The king noticed that his cupbearer was not happy like he normally was. It's a dangerous thing not to be happy when you're the cupbearer to the king. You're supposed to be a positive, happy protector to the king. Amazing that the king trusted his life to this Jewish slave. Nehemiah shared with him that the walls of his city were in ruins, and King Cyrus sent him with provisions, with a letter, back to Jerusalem. 
And against great opposition, dangers, threats, in 52 days, he with the people who, the remnant back in Jerusalem, they rebuilt the walls. So now you have the temple which is rebuilt. You have the walls which have been formed, which were amazingly important to the nation for protection and for their identity as the people in Jerusalem. And then they gathered. That's the backdrop. They gathered by the water gate, which was a large open plaza, and they gathered to hear the reading of the book of God, the book of the law, written by Moses. And as this book was read, the people all gathered. So, I mean, the nation. Just picture thousands of people who were still in Jerusalem. And Nehemiah and the priests, the Levites, they gathered and they read. And the people stood. The people stood in reverence to hear the word of the Lord read. And they read from morning until noon and after, probably six hours of reading the word of God. And the people stood quietly. And as they heard the holy words of the Lord, the conviction of God began to fall on their hearts. Words that they would not heard for many years. And they became aware of their sin. They became aware of their shortcomings. They became aware of how they had failed God. And they were sorrowful and they were grieved. And they began to weep. You know, weeping when you hear how you failed God is a good response. Sadness is not an enjoyable emotion, but it's a proper emotion when you see how you failed. And may I say that one of the ways that we find life in this world is through repentance. We miss out on repentance sometimes where it just says, I've done wrong. We, are, we live in a world that so often just says, Somebody else is to blame, but it sure isn't me. And, you know, that's so deep within our nature. Even this morning, I'm, I was printing out my message, and the printer, I hadn't said it quite right, so all the papers fell on the floor, right? And my carnal nature, I wanted to blame my wife. But I realized I had set the printer up, I'd moved it, and I'd sent it up, and I was the one that had not put it out. It, she had zero fault in this matter, but somehow I knew somebody was to blame, and it sure shouldn't be me. Until I figured out it really was all my fault. And then I felt guilty for that carnal nature that goes, somebody else is to blame. And I repented. I didn't actually ever blame my wife verbally, so I just repented before the Lord. It goes, God, that is still in me that I don't want to be guilty. But there's freedom in repentance to just say, I messed up. I sinned. And they wept. The people of Israel wept when they'd heard how they had failed God. I'm trying to picture a crowd of people. I don't think I've ever been in that situation. Thousands of people quietly crying before God. But then Nehemiah arose. I love those words. Nehemiah, the governor. Nehemiah, the father to Israel. 
their leader, he arose. Just think of the opportunities he had at this moment. What's he going to say? He could have stood and said, it's about time. You bums, you, you know, fill it in. You guys have failed, and it's about time. I've been telling you this, and now you really, and you know, yeah, you get on your knees, and he could have just beat them up. Praise God, that was not the heart of Nehemiah. Nehemiah responded with grace and mercy and great kindness. We read in Nehemiah 8.10, And Nehemiah the governor and Ezra the priest and scribe and Levites taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord God. Do not mourn or weep. For the people wept as they heard the word of the law. The law. Then he said to them, Go your way. Eat the fat, drink the sweet wine, send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to the Lord. Don't be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Say that with me. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So Levite calmed all the people, saying, Be quiet, this day is holy. Don't be grieved. The people went their way to eat and drink and send portions to make great rejoicing because they understood the words that were declared to them. My paraphrase of what Nehemiah said, he's like, hey, come on now, everybody. Stop it. Stop crying. No, wipe those tears away. This is a good day. You've heard God's word, but he, he loves you. He's not mad at you. I want to say that to you today, to those that may not understand that about God. He loves you. He's not up there with a big hammer taking the opportunity to pound us. God loves you. And we can rejoice in his great mercy and his great love for us. This is a good day. In our words, don't worry, be happy. God loves you. Let's rejoice in the Lord. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. You know, think about strength. When you're really sad, when you're grieved in heart, how strong do you feel? Not very. I mean, I just think when I've been grieved, what you just tend to go, just collapse, right? You almost can't stand. Grief just overwhelms you like a burden. And the Lord would say, the joy of the Lord is our strength. You know, life's not easy. It was not easy for Israel. They were tired. They'd spent all their strength building this wall. They had people that were saying, we're going to come and attack you and kill you. Been hard times for years for Israel. And now they were, to add on to that, now they're aware of their own personal failings. It was a hard time for Israel, and it's a hard time for us. Just thinking over the years of life, we'll look back on 2020 and go, yeah, remember 2020? That was a tough year. And people look back to the years of war. Those are tough years, a lot tougher than we're going through now. But we'll look back on 2020. It was a hard year. And some of us, to add to that, some of us have lost family members just these last couple weeks. 
And some of us are in the hospital, even hospitalized today. Members of our church who are hurting, who are physically struggling. I know of a number of marriages here in this church which are hurting. They're not doing well. It's a hard time. And then you add on to that what COVID's done to all of our lives. Just the separation and the inability to celebrate life the way we normally do. It's been a tough year. And right in the middle of our challenges, you could add to that list, I'm sure. Right in the middle of it, I just want to say to you, this day is holy to the Lord. Don't be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Therefore, it must be possible to find joy today. Not someday when things are back to whatever normal was, not when something gets healed, not today there is joy for you. Today. And maybe that's the true definition of joy. It's finding the joy of the Lord, an inner rejoicing in Christ when everything around you is crumbling. You ever seen that? You ever seen people who are joyful when life is not good? When life is falling apart and yet you see the joy of the Lord in them. I like this quote, the biblical joy is experienced in defiance of the circumstances. You know, even though this is bad, I have joy in the Lord. And I'm not talking about those happy, happy Christians, you know. I mean, sometimes I don't like that. You know, I don't know. I, I've met people who I go, they're just too happy. I don't know. But, you know, if you're going to err, that's not a bad way to be. But sometimes you go, you know, there's real pain in the world. But I don't see a whole lot of that. I see more Christians that are bowed down and carrying the weight of the world that they were never meant to carry. And the word of the Lord to us this morning is, the joy of the Lord is your strength. You see, God knows our sorrows, our heartaches, our problems. He knows what's going on in America. He knows what's going on in your homes. And I want to say he has joy for you today. Scripture Psalm 30, weeping may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Praise the Lord. You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. I read a quote that says, joy is distinctly a Christian word and a Christian thing. It's the reverse of happiness. Happiness is the result of what happens of an agreeable sort. But joy has its springs deep down inside. And that spring never runs dry, no matter what happens. And only Jesus gives that joy. He had joy singing its music within, even under the shadow of the cross. You know, joy appears 200 times in the Bible. It's a common theme. And as we mature in Christ, and I'm speaking to a church that many of us have walked with the Lord for decades. As we mature in Christ, there should be more and more joy in our lives. We shouldn't get more 
angry or sober or controlling. And, you know, as we get, well, there should be just a joy that comes for us because the Spirit should be growing in us each and every year. And I would say that really joy is only possible. Real joy is only possible through the filling of the Holy Spirit. The second fruit of the Spirit, we read in Galatians 5.22, the Spirit produces love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance, faith, but love and joy that God wants joy for us. Not just obedience. Obedience is incredibly important. But God has joy for us as followers of Christ. I want to return to the hills of Bethlehem for a moment. Just outside of Jerusalem. It's interesting sometimes because I've never been to Israel, I don't always get the geography clear in my mind. But just outside of Jerusalem, remember the walls have been built by Nehemiah. And just outside of Jerusalem, in the hills of Bethlehem, about 440 years later, the angel said to the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. I want to ask you, the good news, what was it? Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. There is the Messiah of the world has come. Is that good news to you? I hope that's great news. I mean, we got the most major news of the world to some shepherds on a hillside. I love this video. Really well done. Just what these, what these shepherds must have been like looking up and they saw the star, but the angels appearing to these shepherds, their eyes. You know, if you ever met Jews, they're kind of like Dominicans. I think they're a lot alike because they are expressive people. You know, I'm sure when they cried, they really cried. And when they get excited, they dance and they shout. They express themselves. And these shepherds must have just been wild eyes looking up into the heavens as the angels were speaking, telling great news, good news of great joy. The Messiah has come. But I ask you, does that bring you great joy? Does the, great, does the good news that Christ has come, that the Messiah has come into the world, does that fill your heart with joy? Made me think of the Apostle Stephen, one of my favorite. Stephen, when they decided they needed help to serve the widows, serving tables, who's going to serve the food? Who are the waiters among us, right? They're going to figure this out, and they're going to serve the food. They chose people full of the Holy Spirit. I love that. They didn't just get people who were faithful, good guys. They got people who were full of the Holy Spirit to serve tables. And Stephen stood out among them as a man. It never really talks about him serving the tables. I'm sure he did. But it talks about the Spirit of God inside of him. Stephen full of the Holy Spirit. And he began to preach the good news to a bunch of Jewish leaders. And Acts 6.15 says, And gazing on him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. I don't know what it looked like, 
but he somehow had so much of the Spirit of God inside of him that he was glowing. Closest thing I can think of is like Moses, where his, light, his face was just glowing. And these people looked at him and said, man, this guy is just, he's lit up. And it was so hard on these leaders, as they heard his words, they began to stone him. Now stoning, if you've ever seen it or read about it or seen any videos, is a horrible way to die. Imagine angry mob. I've been in a couple mob situations. Nobody ever tried to stone me. But I've been in some mob situations around the world, and it's terrifying. I had a group swarm around me one time in Morocco. And you know how I responded? I ran for my life. <laughs> they didn't understand what was going on. I, you know, I looked at it, and I went, I'm out of here. And my response was, I was scared and I fled. That was probably a pretty smart move, actually, on my part. It's like, not time to hang around. But Stephen was about to get stoned by a mob. And so they were gnashing their teeth. They were shouting. They're picking up stones. It says, when they heard these things, they were enraged. They, they ground their teeth at him. But he, listen to this full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven, saw the glory of God in Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And then that, re that really drove him crazy. And Stephen laid down his life. He was stoned to death that day. Even in the moment of horror, of crisis, where you would have thought fear or anger or defensiveness or feel sorry for me, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, was able to see into the heavens and he was filled with joy as his life was taken from him. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives. When you hear this message, if you go, well, I... Pastor's just saying, I just got to find more joy. You know, grit my teeth and get joyful. Well, I don't know about you, but that doesn't really work for me. You ever tried that? It's like, okay. You're, I mean, it just doesn't work. I don't know. I've, I've tried. You know, it's like, okay, I'm down. I should be more joyful. I don't know. I don't think that's what the Lord is calling us to. But I do believe that as we... Scriptures be filled with the Spirit. Continually be filled with the Spirit. As we say, Holy Spirit, I need more joy. Fill me anew. Baptize me anew in the Holy Spirit. Come. Fill me. I believe we'll find more joy in our lives. Joy that moves past the current situation. I told this story once, but it so marked me. When I was in Dominican Republic leading the work of YWAM, we had hurricanes pass through the island. I remember one hurricane in particular, extremely fierce, destroyed sections, homes, homes that, you know, homes built of cement would last, but homes built of sticks and tin and wood oftentimes just were gone. 
and somebody in a church in America heard about it and said, I have $2,000, what can you do? I said, I can build a house with $2,000, the level of homes here. And so they sent me $2,000. I had the job of saying, okay, you know, neighborhoods have been devastated. I get to choose somebody to get a house. Because I knew that I could get a worker, give them $2,000, and they'd build a family a house again. So I went and found a pastor whose area had been devastated. He said, oh, there's one lady in particular. I, I, know, who you, I know who you should choose. Her name is Carmen, and I went to Carmen's house. So I'm walking through a neighborhood. I've never been there before. And here's Carmen sitting on the two steps of her house. But there was no house. There were just the steps. And there was this slab. And here's this lady by herself, sitting on the steps of her house. And as I walked up, she was worshiping the Lord. Here she is. I don't know where her husband and kids were. They had survived, but she's sitting in the house. She's going, oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Gloria a Dios. God is good. She's just sitting on the steps. I'm walking up, and there's no house. My first thought is she's in shock. But she wasn't in shock. She was worshiping the Lord, joyful in God. And I sat down beside her on the steps and said, Carmen, what happened? And she said, well, the hurricane passed right over our house. 100 mile wind on our winds and the house was shaking and I held on to the boards. I held on to these sticks to hold my house down, but I couldn't hold on. And the hurricane just picked up the house and threw it across the street. She said, my husband and children were on the floor under the table, but she says, but they live. And I have my husband, I have my children. God is so good, God is so good, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. And I'm thinking, would I be doing that? My house were gone if I'd lived through the trauma. And she's worshiping God, and I said, well, Carmen, I got good news for you. God has seen your situation. He's provided. And I have the funds to build you a new house. And we'll have some people come by this week, and we'll, we'll put it together. We'll be able to build you your house again. And she's like, hallelujah, praise the Lord. God is so good. She didn't change at all. You know, I'm, I'm kind of waiting for this, oh, you know, there's some big, no, she just continued to worship the Lord sitting on the front step of her house which wasn't there. She told us, she said, when the, when the house blew across the street, thieves showed up in the middle of the storm and started stealing the materials. Uh, you know, you, when you think it can't get worse, it gets worse. And yet she goes, but they probably needed it, and praise Jesus, and she just continued to worship the Lord. And I thought, that is the joy of the Lord. When your situation is bad, and life is difficult. Somehow, this woman who loved Jesus, there was a joy that remained or that even grew in the middle of her difficulty. Philippians 4.4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. The worship team would come back up. 
I want to challenge each of us. I believe I'm speaking to a church, most of you being believers, followers in Christ. I want to ask you if you've lost your joy. Have you lost your joy, the joy in the Lord, the good news of great joy? And Philippians says as a command, rejoice in the Lord always. And I believe the way that we can obey that is by daily, regularly saying, Holy Spirit, come fill me. I want the fruit of the Spirit in my life. Not just the gifts. The gifts are incredibly important. But we want both. We want to see the gifts of God flow in our lives. But I believe the fruit of the Lord is equally important, that we want to see the fruit of the Spirit seen in our lives. And that comes as a gift of the Holy Spirit. But the beautiful thing is it's a gift that's readily available to us. So just as we have some music here, I want to challenge us. Just have us just quiet, put things aside. If you're in your home, put aside the distractions in your home, please. Let's just open our hands before the Lord. Because we need the joy of the Lord. Amen? We need that as a gift of God, the gift of his Holy Spirit to us this morning. Let's just open our hands as a sign of Receptivity, I'll open this before the Lord. Scripture says, I look up to the hills from where does my help come from? Where does my joy come from? My joy comes from the Lord. So this morning we say, come Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you. We can't manufacture that joy. But we receive it as a gift from you. Come, Holy Spirit, fill us anew. Today, again, we need the Holy Spirit. Convict us of sin. We repent of sin, God, where we've fallen short, where we've not obeyed. But then, Lord, we receive your joy. Your word says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And today, in this Christmas season, we receive the Holy Spirit. We receive the joy that he has for us. And God, I pray that we go down deep into those inner parts of our lives. The Father made just that in unquenchable joy that rises above the challenges of our day. Come, Holy Spirit, fill us, and we thank you for your joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to end our service a bit differently today. We have our ensemble that's going to play a couple songs that encourage you to just sit and enjoy these Christmas songs of worship, and if you need to leave, you're free to leave out to the foyer. If not, just sit and enjoy these songs, and then we can leave after that. And I'll be out at the at the worship center. Excuse me, at the welcome center on the left side, going out. And if you'd like prayer or anyone to minister to you or seek the Lord with you, our prayer room will be open over here. God bless you all. Very merry Christmas to all.